Hey guys, Tom Laird, voice of advice from a call center geek, CEO at Expedia. Hey, the podcast is brought to you by Expedia Interaction Marketing. We are a 600-seat call center outsourcer. I would love to talk to any of you looking to outsource any of your customer support or your sales functions, looking for political calling or, or just some extra overflow during the holiday season. If you are looking for any type of USA outsourcing support, hit me up. You guys know my LinkedIn. I'd love to talk. This is Advice from a Call Center Geek, a weekly podcast with a focus on all things call center. We'll cover it all from call center operations, hiring, culture, technology, and education. We're here to give you actionable items to improve the quality of yours and your customers' experience. This is an evolving industry with creative minds and ambitious people like this guy. Not only is his passion call center operations, but he's our host. He's the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing Group and the call center geek himself, Tom Laird. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Advice from a Call Center Geek, the call center podcast where we give you actionable items that you can take back to your call center to not only improve the, the agent performance and quality, but also to, uh, to hopefully improve the, the customer experience. My name is Tom Laird. I'm the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing Group. Expedia is a 500-seat BPO call center outsourcer located here in uh, northwestern Pennsylvania. And welcome. We're, we're here at, uh, at episode 11. This is, this is pretty cool. A couple of just, I guess, kind of cool announcements. We, we hit our 1,000th podcast episode download over this past week, which kind of has blown my mind. And <laughs> this thing is, uh, I think, doing a little bit more than I thought, which is awesome. The next thing I'd like to ask is if, if you have found any type of uh, value out of this, you know, please post a, a review. I don't, I don't want to review bag, but I'm kind of review begging. Um, just uh, maybe on iTunes or, or on Spotify, wherever you guys are, are listening to this from, it, it would really help, you know, get the message out to, to more people. And, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, some of the things that you think about the podcast, positive, negative, you know, whatever you think, you know, I'm, I'm all open to, to some type of review. Also, if you get a second, please head over to the Advice from a Call Center Geek Facebook page. I'd love to get some conversation going. That thing's new, and, and not many people have been interacting with that. So I, I'd love to, to hear, again, what, what you guys agree with me, disagree with me. I'd love to have a, a laid-back conversation on, on some of the topics that we're, we're discussing. And then, you know, we, we do have Twitter as well that, that you can follow us on that we're posting a lot of stuff, you know, from, from call center operations things to, um, to background on the, on the podcast and just, just some, I think, some fun things. So what we wanted to, to use today's episode for is to, to talk about some things that I've been actually receiving a little bit of feedback on in, in some emails from people who have been looking to outsource or are setting up RFPs. And they have asked just to have a podcast dedicated on some things to look for when you're outsourcing. Again, I'm, I'm treading lightly here as I own a, an outsourcing call center. So again, I'm not trying to sell anything here. And that, that would defeat the whole purpose and the whole mission of the podcast. So I, I'm just going to talk to you about some things that, that some call center outsourcers do maybe a little differently than, than internal centers and some of the things that you need to be aware of when you're setting up an RFP, when you're when you're going to on-site visits, when you're talking to to different call centers, whether it be onshore, nearshore, offshore, and what are some of the things that you should really, really be focusing on? So these are kind of 10 points to consider if you're ever debating or, or thinking about outsourcing your, your call center. Obviously, I, you know, I do have a lot of experience with this owning a and operating a, a call center outsourcer. So again, I, I don't want this to come off as a sales pitch. This is just some information that if, if I was, you know, setting up an RFP, if I was looking at call centers, which, you know, we do as well, you know, and help clients do that, 
um, these are some of the, the the main points that we look at and, and focus on. So these are these are kind of the the ten points to consider when when outsourcing your call center. And again, these are these are in no particular order. Uh, probably should have put them in an order, but you know these these are just some some ten ten topics to to think about. So number one is proper size. A lot of the call centers, and and I have a a little bit of a ratio that I think you know I don't think that the the your call center program. You know, it should be less than than three to four to five percent of the call center floor that that it's going to be at. So, you know, you don't want a, a twenty seat program in a call center that's a fifteen hundred seat operation, right? You know, it, it just isn't going to get the the value. It's not going to get the quality aspect. It's not going to get the attention that it that it really deserves. So. You have to be careful the type of companies that you're going to. Again, you know we're a boutique. There's a ton of really good, you know, 500, 1,000, 1,500 seat. You know, maybe have three sites with with three, four hundred seats each that that handle those twenty to thirty to fifty to to seventy seat type programs. Now, if you're a obviously a large organization and you have you know two thousand seats to outsource, and then you're not going to look at the 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 smaller guys. You're going to go talk to some of the you know the big the big you know multinational players that can you know do some really cool diversif- diversification things where you know you can put certain things offshore certain things near shore maybe more you know higher value or vip type customers here in the states you know you have a little bit more options so i'm not going to tell you that a large call center is bad cuz i don't think they are i'm not going to tell you that a small call center is is always better cuz it's not but you need to find the niche and the the, the right seats for your program that that will make it make the quality aspect and, and make it worth the, the organization's uh, time to, to, to really do your program the right way. All right, number two is is track record of management, which a lot of people really don't think about, but you, you need to really see how long they've been in the in the game. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of shady things that can happen in the in the call center space, especially when you, you get outside the onshore model um, and you're looking, you know, near shore or offshore, you gotta really do a lot of due diligence. And I would I would tell you if it's your first time outsourcing and you're looking to to go near shore or offshore that you need some help. You know, I would I would talk to a a call center broker for sure who has a track record of you know working with really high end offshore near shore partners. I can help you with that. We can help you with that as well. But you know, that's something to think about. You know, on the near shore or I'm sorry, on the on the onshore model, there there's there's a little bit less risk. There's still risk, but you know, understanding, making sure that not only is the company reputable, but two, that the, the management has has an understanding of your business model, has an understanding of what type of program that you you guys are trying to run, and have had some experience in that in the past. There are call centers that do everything, you know, from healthcare to sales to direct response to insurance to, you know, just sales only. Whatever you need, you know, has, as, as niche as it is, you know, somebody's out there for you. So just just look and make sure that you have a, a good fit there. Number three is super important, and that's the client support method. One of the biggest failures that we see when, when a company outsources their their program or their, their customers to a customer support center or BPO is that the client support method's terrible. You know, maybe it's just a nine to five model. You know, maybe they have to put a trouble ticket in, right, to to each different department. There's disjointed service where, you know, if I have an issue with my production, I got to call production. If I have an IT issue, you got to call the IT people. This is where a boutique I think is kind of cool. And, you know, a smaller type call centers, you know, can really differentiate. So, you know, here at Expedia, for example, you get 
two client services managers that are pretty much dedicated to your program, and you have 24-7 access, and that includes to me. So I'm always checking my phone. Um, I am always on email. Same thing with our client support people. We always have somebody on call for weird after hours. But your phone call will be answered every single time. The first time it rings, directly even bypassing our um, our receptionist, go right to your client services manager. Any emails will be answered in under 10 minutes. You know, those types of things, a lot of the smaller call centers can really do a, a real bang-up job on. But make sure that you understand uh, the, the methods of, of support for for the call center that you're dealing with. Number four is make sure, and this kind of gets into the culture aspects, and there's a couple of different you know, culture aspects, is, a, is but number four is associate match. So remember, this call center that you choose, they, they need to be an extension of your brand. You have to make sure that this call center that you choose, you know, we match demographics, we match personalities, we match different types of things that are going to go well with your customers, right? So if, if you're a startup and you're trying to hit up, you have a new cool app that's, you know, targeting, you know, people 18 to 24, well, then, you know, you're going to probably want to have some type of, of support method um, and agents that are in that, that same world. Not all the time, but I think as an, as an overall kind of just a, as a rough rule, you need to be very careful of what type of associates they're going to put on your program. Are they a match for your brand? Are they a match for your are they a match for your culture? Number five is is vitally important, especially in the in the time that we live in now, and, and that's proper technology. So you know, make sure. And, and a lot of this is this is where a lot of people get into trouble too, because a lot of people you know that do outsource if they have a smaller company, they're not sure really what proper technology means. And again, you can get some help out there. There's a lot of call center brokers. There's a lot of people that will kind of guide you that. That can help you with that, but understand you know the baseline of what you need, right? From a technology standpoint, so you know, will you need call recording? Are you going to need virtual queues or virtual callbacks? How how can you do monitoring? Can you do live monitoring? You know, through just just having a portal that you can double click on an agent, put your cell phone number in, and and start listening to calls, or do they? Do you have to call in and set up a, a monitoring session with the client? You know, speech analytics. Do they have you know, capability for the future. Like, do they get into chatbots? Are they into the AI scene? Are they a multi-channel facility? How are they going to connect to your systems? Making sure that that this company can can understand all that are is coming to you and basically telling you how it should be done. And I think that that's the the main thing here is if you're pulling information from them and they're kind of just real slow slow playing it. You know, maybe their technology offering isn't isn't really up to snuff. Most call centers are pretty badass. You know, most of us out there are understand that, you know, we are a bridge between a software company and a call center. And we have to be able to do things that your internal call centers can't or what's the point of, of outsourcing, right? It's not all about cost. A lot of this is about the customer experience. And we have found that, you know, to offer that customer experience, the technology piece is a huge, huge part of it. You know, not only from, you know, servicing the customer, but getting data and analytics back to make really, really high-end decisions that will affect uh, the, the program and the, and the company for the future. So, you know, the technology piece, you know, make sure that that does not get uh, pushed by. Talk to a lot of different call centers. Push them on their technology. Try to get the, the coolest stuff that you can or at least discuss it so that they can talk to you about it so you get a really good feel for, for where they are. Number six is understanding your cost structure and understanding where you want to place this. So I get a lot of questions on, 
Tom, we want to outsource. We're not sure if we should go onshore, offshore. Should we do a hybrid? Should we go uh, nearshore? You know, what what should we do? And, and you know, that's that's a difficult decision. I am pretty biased when it comes to to the U.S. centers. I think in in today's customer, and especially today's U.S. customer, you know, there is a a benefit and there's a huge plus if you have USA customer support. I think that that shows that you're you know you're going to pay a little bit more for it, but it shows the value that that you're giving and that you know you think your customers are worth it. So, having said that, there's a lot of there's a lot of programs that do really well offshore, right? There's a lot of you know tier one those types of, of programs that that you know maybe are cost prohibitive in the states that you can get away with. Um, I will say get away with though offshore. You know, and, and a lot of this though does come to dollars and cents, and, and, and a company's making a, a culture decision based on on a lot of different factors. But you know, it's not just price, but taking into account what the effect of of having their their program offshore and nearshore will be. Sometimes it doesn't matter, but you know, we found that you know for a lot of different companies it does matter. So, you know, th- the other thing that's kind of happening now in the space is is people are going to this hybrid model. To where you know their their VIP or high end customers are, are are in the states, and you know some of the the lower tier one type support that that can get handled easily is, is offshore. You know, so th- there's a lot of different types of models that that do work. We're also seeing a lot of onshoring because of technology. So you know, people are using chatbots and they're using self service to take care of their tier one, and then tier two, tier three is done in the states. Again, that's a culture issue. It's a price issue. How worthwhile is your support to, to be done, you know, here in the States or, or near shore or offshore? Number seven, and if you have listened to anything about me, you understand, and I probably even use the word culture 14 times in this podcast episode, but number seven is, is company culture. You have to have a culture fit when it comes to the outsourcing call center that you're using. There's a lot of very laid-back call centers. There's a lot of very strict financial-type call centers in the outsourcing space. It all depends on really what you're looking for and making sure that there's a match. So this is where you know a site visit becomes really, really important. Understanding things like is the is the call center paperless? You know, is there is there an energy and a, a really cool vibe that you feel when you get out on the floor? Do you care about that? You know, do the associates look like they want to be there? Again, demographics, those types of things. What type of agents do they have? Who are they hiring? Are they hiring high school students? Are they hiring people with college degree? Um, what does the center look like? Does it look clean? Does it look like they've put a lot of time into to build up their, their employee engagement platforms? To, to, are they having fun on the floor? Again, some of that might not be important. I think it is, it, especially when you're outsourcing your customers to another organization. Make sure that there's a there's a culture fit that matches what you're looking for in the, in the organization that you have, and also, you know, just the people and the management aspect too. When you talk to them, do you get along? Do you, is there a connection there? That's that's really important to the viability of the program. Number eight is education. Dig deep into how they do initial training and, and initial education for a new rep that's off the floor. Oh, I'm sorry, off the street. You know, if they if they're just hiring them and, and throwing them in training for two days and throwing them out on the floor, that could be an issue, I guess, depending on, on what program you have or, or what your training aspect or what your rep structure looks like. Again, I don't want to just talk about Expedia, but a lot of the really high-end BPOs, I know, do a full week 
of education and training before there's any type of program training. So these are legal aspects. These are culture issues. These are HR functions, making sure they understand all your corporate policies, what's to be expected. That's a huge piece of it. So make sure you dig into the initial train. And then just as important, how do they want to do training and education on your program? If they ever push back that they don't want the client on site, I would run away. You know, we would we really love our clients to be especially involved in that that initial train to really get this done right the the proper way. So make sure that you know you're invited to be as much of a of a piece of that initial training as possible. Also, find out about ongoing training. We do here at Expedia, we give all of our associates one hour of of unbuild training every single week on every single program. And and we talk a lot of things about soft skills and engagement and and how to make sure that you're delighting the customers and you're saying the right things. Make sure that there's a culture piece of this. Make sure that, you know, the the call center that you're discussing and you're you're talking to isn't just saying, hey, we we train on clicking here and clicking there and then they'll get through this as quick as we possibly can. Make sure that they take the time and they 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 go over soft skills and, and, and how to really talk to the customer, not just, you know, where to click and what to click. So that's a that's a huge piece of it. You know, the other thing is how do they do all of their QA. So, you know, with this training piece, you know, how many how many associates are going to be scored per week? How do they do it? Do they use speech analytics? Are they just trying to kind of listen to, to calls? And, and that's fine. But making sure that, that that's in line with what your quality aspects are, that you have a benchmark for them, that you give that to them to hit is really important from setting an expectation for the for the call center. Number nine is scalability and flexibility. You know, very few programs just have 30 or 40 or 50 agents all day long, all year long, and they just truck along with that. There's there's a lot of, you know, scaling up, scaling down, peak times, you know, Christmas, uh, sometimes the summertime. Make sure that the call center is large enough that they can scale and also, you know, that they're not going to get hurt if you, you have to pull 10 reps off. Also, ask what happens to those associates. You know, a lot of times you don't want to lay them off. You, you you paid for a lot of training. They're really highly educated. You know, make sure that you can, you know, they can find another place for them or, or how that how that whole process of scaling and flexibility will, will work out for them. Number 10 is probably number one or number two on, on the most importance, and that's security. Is your call center that you're going to use PCI compliant? Because that should be the minimum. Right, it, it, that's no longer like a high standard. That should be the minimum. I wouldn't even really talk to to call centers that are not PCI compliant. You know, then you get into HIPAA and, and SOC two compliance. Look at at some things that they do from a policy standpoint that a lot of the BPOs do. So you know, like we're totally paperless. So there's no pens, there's no pencils, there's nothing that's in the call center booth that's allowed. If anything needs to be you know set up in the booth and it's laminated. Those types of things. The other thing that uh, that we're maybe a little bit crazy on is, is cell phones. And we have a strict no cell phone policy. We do most of our stuff, you know, when it comes to, I don't know, reps doing things wrong. We try to, you know, really celebrate when they do things right and, and kind of correct off the floor very quietly. Well, cell phones are are the only exception to that rule. So we kind of, I don't want to say lose our minds, but if your cell phone is seen or heard on the call center floor, it's an automatic suspension. We don't mess around with it. Um, there's too much that can happen with cell phones. So we've just totally tried to take them out of the equation. We have you know specific texting and, and cell phone areas that are off the floor that they can use. 
But once they're on the floor, if that goes off in their pocket and it gets heard by management, that's a suspension. So again, make sure that the security aspect that you're you're looking at and you're dealing with, you know, matches the the security element that your organization has and, and the expectation that that you're looking for. It's 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 hard, right? Outsourcing can be can be difficult. It can be a very stressful situation. You know, in the age of social media, your customers now have a voice to shout out if they feel that your company is not providing good service. You know, choosing to outsource to the right organization for your company it can be a blessing. You know, choosing a the wrong partner can be an absolute headache. That can be said too, though, for your internal center. If you're not providing a level of service that that can be second to none, that can be held up to the the expectations of your customers then look at some of these awesome BPOs. There's a lot of really, really cool, not super expensive call centers that are out there, even on the the near shore or onshore model, that can really help your customer experience, can turn your profits or your, your call center into a profit center um, and really improve the, the customer experience. So again, that's my kind of take on the uh, on 10 things that you need to look at, right? So just to recap, looking at the proper size, the track record of management, how are they going to support you from a client services standpoint, making sure that you have a good associate match from a demographic standpoint, their technology should be second to none and, and should be advanced what you're doing in your internal call center. You know, cost is a is a big piece of this from the onshore, offshore, and hybrid model to take a peek at understanding the, the call center's culture, making sure that it's a good fit. How do they educate? How do they do QA? You know, scoping all that out. Is the call center going to be flexible with you when, when you go through your peaks, your ups and downs? And then, you know, are they do they have a, a PCI compliant? Are they SOC 2 compliant? Are they HIPAA compliant? You know, what type of, of security measures are they taking to protect you, to protect your data, and to protect your customers? Whew. Okay, so that's my uh, that's my ten uh, that's my ten tips. If you have any questions on any of this, please uh, shoot me an email, tlaird at expedia.net, or you know go to t- go on Twitter. You can DM me also on our on our advice from a call center geek Facebook page. Love to again hear from from some of you. So that's episode eleven. I, I hope that that's helpful. Please please again if you if you get a chance and if you find some value, post a uh, post a review. I'm, again, I'm review begging. And then again, as I always say, we got to, just as a cheap plug, there's a book. It's called Advice from a Call Center Geek book. It's on Amazon. Um, just kind of Google Advice from a Call Center Geek. And uh, about 98 pages. It's super quick to read, but it, it really discusses a lot of the things that we talk about in the geek in, a, in kind of a book format. You can get the ebook too. It's like two or three bucks. So again, thank you guys very much. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. This has been advice from a call center geek. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the show so you're the first to hear next week's episode. Jam-packed with actionable takeaways, you can implement ASAP. Chime in with your thoughts on the episode on Twitter at from underscore geek and on Instagram at call underscore center underscore geek. Also, take a look at our contact center operations book by the same name, Advice from a Call Center Geek on Amazon. This podcast is sponsored by ExpediaUSA.com.